to The Interview, a podcast by The Bailiwick Express. I'm Laura Clayton. I recently met with a group of people from the Guernsey Employment Trust. The Employment Trust helps people with disabilities find and maintain employment. Rosa is one of their successful clients. She, her support worker Kate and Neve, who worked with Rosa at Guernsey Post, told me how their processes work. And Nikki, the GET Chief Officer, told me why their work is so important. Current UK statistics show that only 53% of disabled people are in employment compared to 83% of non-disabled people. Mm. So that leads to a disability employment gap of approximately 30%. And we know that there's a large number of disabled people who want to work but struggle to find or maintain work um, because of the barriers that they face. And we know this because last year we were supporting approximately 229 disabled people at any given time. Um, Also, to help paint the landscape a bit, Mm -hmm. um, in 2015, there's a UK charity called Scope, and they wrote a paper, and in their paper, they said that if the UK increased the numbers of disabled people into employment by just 5%, they, w- they predicted there would be an increase in GDP um, of £23 billion by 2030. Now, mm. I often get told in the Guernsey context, you swap billions for millions, so that would be um, an increase in Guernsey GDP by £23 million. But the reason for GET isn't just about you know, saving money or making money. I mean, if we look at it from um, an employer's point of view, there's a really strong business case for mm. having a diverse and inclusive workforce. So, um, I mean, research says, and we see it ourselves, that generally it can be increased profitability, having a workforce that are more creative, better at problem solving, but also just having a workforce that represents the community in which you live mm-hmm. and in which you serve. And um, an inclusive workforce values that everybody's different and everybody does things in different ways. And then that's where we come in. Yeah. So Guernsey Employment Trust is changing the way that employers define and view disability by connecting disabled people to jobs that match their talent. And our charity was established in 2015 following the successful commissioning of supported employment services to the third sector. Um, if I just give you some statistics, yeah. uh, we are now in our ninth year. And last year we supported 163 employers, uh, which included 31 states of Guernsey departments. And we reached a milestone of our 600th paid job since the charity was established. And I'm really proud to say that our retention rate as of the end of last year was 72%. 
So we know we're getting it right with regards to job matching and we know that we've got high impact there with stopping people falling out of employment and claiming benefits. But just to look at, lastly, for the why we exist, um, from a client's perspective, I think we all take it for granted about um, if we're in work, we don't even think about it, but a secure and well-matched job can create financial stability, social inclusion, a sense of purpose and improved health and well-being. So that's all the why, that's mm -hmm. why we exist. Okay, so you said the Guernsey Employment Trust was set up in 2015, but the work predates that, is that correct, through a different organisation that predated the Guernsey Employment Trust? Yes, so we used to be called Interwork Services. We were a department of, back then it was Health and Social Services Department, yeah. and in 2014, the States of Guernsey and the Guernsey Community Foundation were looking at the function of interwork and for the money spent, the outcomes, the outputs, the numbers of disabled mm -hmm. people into employment was not good. Yeah. So they jointly made a decision to commission it out to the third sector and it's been fantastic. They, that well, it has been. Yeah, I mean, some of the statistics that you just gave us, actually, it seems like a big improvement. Did you say 229 clients? So we support 229 clients at any given time. So yeah. that, that is generally what our, as of last year, when you look at a snapshot of our caseload, yeah. that was how many people were on a caseload at that point. So obviously it fluctuates as people come in and out, but it, that's, that's the numbers that we're supporting at any given time. Okay, so in terms of supporting clients, yeah, um, yeah how is that done? I mean, we've got Kate here, but... Between yeah. you, I mean, can you explain how is the support offered to your clients? So what, what makes us different to other agencies, if you like, is that we use vocational profiling and work experience to really get to know someone and to test their abilities. So profiling of them as their personality, their skill sets. So we're looking at... Um, Everything really. We act a bit like private investigators. So we're, we're looking at we're looking at their skills from a you know what they've done in the past, employment wise or voluntary wise. We're looking at their education. We're looking at their health, their disability. Um, we're, we're basically building up this big picture of them to then be able to work out what work could be suitable mm -hmm. and what support might the person need that would work for them. So we really put a lot of time in. Um, our profiling and our work experience, which I know Rosa will go on to in a minute, to really find out about people. And then when we get someone a job, the other thing that makes us different is that we can provide on-the-job support. So that looks different for everybody, mm -hmm. um, but it's for the person and the employer while the individual learns their role and settles in. And that could be an hour of support ad hoc here or there, mm -hmm. or it could be full time for several weeks. So it really is, it's whatever it takes to support someone in the right role and in the right environment to make it a success. Um, and then the other difference is that the support that we offer is ongoing throughout someone's career to yeah. both them and the employer. So what we don't do is settle people in and then walk away. Um, we just reduce the amount of support, but the door is always open to both in, you know, both parties because mm -hmm. we want it to be a success um, and we want people to develop throughout their careers as well. 
Um, so yeah, that that's how we provide support to both uh, individuals. Yeah. And before I forget, I always forget this point. Our services are completely free of charge to both of those both of those parties. You described yourself as being like a private detective there, and Rosa was <laughs> laughing. <laughs> so Rosa, um, we will come to you in a moment um, because I noticed you laughing at that point. So I want to know more about this profiling and what that's like as someone going through it actually. Um, but Kate. You work as a support worker, is that right? Yes, so what, that's right. What, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? How does that work? So I manage a caseload um, of clients, and most of my work at the very beginning is getting to know them, you know, finding out, meeting up, finding out what they're interested in, finding out a bit about their background, looking at CVs, looking at aspirations, what kind of things they think might mm-hmm. suit them, and then talking about what they might need to actually be able to achieve that in the workplace. So that can take quite a while to get build up that rapport, build up that trust, because obviously it's, it's a personal relationship. You're working with people about their own aspirations and, and want to take your time to do that carefully and gently to provide the, the support that somebody needs. And then it's a question of perhaps going out to find the right employers, looking at who might be the best place to support somebody, having those conversations, seeing whether people are happy to mm-hmm. offer work experience, voluntary work, um, working out what that might look like, going back with a client, introducing them, dealing with lots of paperwork to make sure everybody knows what we're all doing and keeping everybody safe. Um, And then, as Nikki's explained, the support can be very different. It could be working with somebody to arrange how to get somewhere, Mm -hmm. confidence around using the bus, where the office might be, what the office might look like, who might be in it, introducing people. It could be working alongside somebody, finding out what equipment they might need, talking to the employer about adjustments that might need to be made. So it's very, very personal, um, and it's tailored individually to every client. So, Rosa, you've worked closely with Kate then? She's my second support. Okay. When I joined in 2019, I was with Tanya. Okay, so Tanya would have done your initial profiling and yes. initially getting you, finding out what work you wanted to do and what, yeah, what so placement would suit you? So she basically, yeah, she got to know me, went, this is on my CVs, what sort of skills I have. Mm-hmm. And then um, I attended a job club at Getz and that sort of, I could rework my CV. Mm-hmm. And also they gave me um, quite a lot of courses. And during COVID, I did quite a lot of online courses. Yes. Um, through the Guernsey... Job centre, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a job centre, so they set up those courses, and then I just did them. So, if you joined in twenty nineteen, actually, that was just prior to COVID, wasn't it? But yeah. you were able to continue on your progress throughout yeah. COVID. Then, with the online resources, that must have been really useful to yeah. be able to continue your your development with Get. Yeah, and also I'd have like a weekly or biweekly phone call with yeah. my support like to see how I am, how I'm getting on, and if there's anything else I could be doing. So I did that throughout the sort of lockdown because they weren't open. Yeah. Uh, they keep close, they kept us going. Yeah. So it was good. So you've, since then, you've had a work placement at Guernsey Post, is that correct? Yeah, that was after COVID, but I, just after the pandemic finished, I started working at Waitrose. So I right. worked part-time at Waitrose. Checkouts yeah. at Admiral Park. But they've made, when I went in, they had a sort of whole health questionnaire that I filled out online and they made adjustments and they moved me from 
different place I'm supposed to do. And so, yeah, they made a lot of arrangements. But are you enjoying it? Because that's the yes. main thing, actually, that a lot of yes. people, I think, it's that self-fulfillment, isn't it, with your, with your work as well as yeah. what you're actually doing when you're there. And it's also good because I've, I've got the work and I know it's there. Yeah. And I go, like Nikki was saying, the fulfillment and the self-check and knowing I can do the work and, yeah. and everything. So, yeah. Okay, and then Guernsey Post, so you had a work placement there. That must have been very different work to what you're doing at Waitrose. Yes, it was much different. So initially at the beginning I sort of shadowed all different people's part in the customer service department. So basically, if your post, post goes missing, you ring them up <laughs> and you go, here's the tracking number, and they ask that, and they go and find it. And if you don't have a tracking number, you're a bit lost. <laughs> and then they sort of like Nikki was saying, they sort of play investigators and locate where the parcel is. So okay. I did that. And what they had like a training phone so that I would plug it into the phone so I could listen in because of my eyesight. I couldn't use like the actual buttons. Yeah. So eventually, like about the third or fourth week, I was taking all the information down and then putting that onto the systems. And then it would go down to the manager down below and mm-hmm. then she would speak to the posties and they'll sort it out so that's basically mostly what I did. Kate and Rosa you mentioned before about a system that you were able to use Rosa where you could use your phone to to read documents is that right and then dictate it back to, and well read it back to you. Yeah so it, it sort of like scan takes a picture of it yeah and then it will speak it back to you so you can just listen to it so if it's like if it's too small for me to see then I can read, listen to it instead of having to read it. That must really help not just you but other people in various roles in various industries across the world. I mean, these these advances, Nikki and Kate, must really help so many people. Yeah, and I think that's very much what we did in terms of you know working with Guernsey Post and Rosa mm-hmm. and the support role setting up the placement was about going to places like Guernsey Blind and seeing what was available, what technology might be helpful in an office setting. Some of it very practical, so large keyboards, um, very cheap adjustment, made a very big difference to being able to access the work. So those kind of things that would have been a barrier to doing the job, once they were in place, Rosa's actually then able, as she's clearly explained, to take down the the details, deal with customers, and actually be able to fulfil the role. So that's where the partnership comes into its own, really, to be able to put people in touch with each other, find out what people need, find out what's out there, and then put it into the workplace. More and more as well, I think, um, because of new technologies, adjustments are much easier, or can be much easier Mm -hmm. to come by. I mean, when I started supporting somebody with a visual impairment and they required some software in the workplace, but it was so expensive, it was just out of reach for for them and their employer without trying Mm -hmm. to source additional funding whereas nowadays a lot of really good functions can be achieved on just standard microsoft packages you know zooming in um our different mobile phones or laptops yeah. where you can speak to them and it can type out what you say so there's lots of really good functions um and, and apps that you can get but in addition like guernsey blind are fantastic at, at helping to sort of review what somebody needs and trying to access different yeah. different pieces of software or equipment but there's a lot more available now mm-hmm. than what the, there used to be. Neve, if we bring you in here, um, how did Guernsey Post, as an employer, and quite a substantial employer in the island, yeah. um, 
How did you get involved with the Guernsey Employment Trust? We've got quite a big admin floor, different departments, you know, mm-hmm. Rosa works in customer services, but we've had people come in and work in our philatelic department, um, and, you know, we've got IT, we've got loads of different areas mm-hmm. that people can come in and experience. And it, it's important to us that we're an inclusive employer, and mm. that's why we got involved with GET, to make sure that, you know, we were doing everything we could possible to make sure that we were being inclusive and thinking about all of the reasonable adjustments that we could make, yeah, um, things that we could bring in. I know before Rosa came in, we had a meeting so she could come and have a look around the office, look at our IT setup, look at our phone setup, and just sort of see what adjustments we would need to make in order um, for her to have a good experience with us and so that she could do as much as possible when she was working with us. Are you able to tell us then, did Rosa do as much as possible when she was with you? Was she a hard worker? Did she get a- <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, we got some really, really good feedback from the team. You know, you, you definitely had an impact. You worked really hard. You got involved in absolutely everything that you could. So it's fantastic. It's a really big benefit to us as an employer because, you know, those managers that are helping these work experience mm. um, clients, they, they get that understanding through training yeah. of um, the reasonable adjustments and... Um, you know any sort of additional support that people need their needs and wants and things like that as well reasonable adjustments that's a phrase that we've heard before because it came about when the states of guernsey were debating anti-discrimination legislation so reasonable adjustments in the workplace using guernsey post as an example what kind of reasonable adjustments were made or have been made for the workforce as a as a whole yeah so um you know we have sit-stand sit stand desks available, uh, we can look at bigger monitors, we can look at bigger keyboards, things like that. In terms of application forms, um, we've worked with the Guernsey um, Blind Associations and we've got Braille application forms available, um, so you know if, if people want to apply those are available for them. Um, but it, for us it's really looking at the needs of the person that's coming in, seeing what more mm-hmm. we can do to support them. I would also jump in yeah. here from, from my experience of having worked with Guernsey Post that you have um, a very good appetite to be more inclusive and supportive mm. of individuals with mental health as yes, well. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah we've, we've done a lot around that. We've got mental health first aiders. We've, done, we've brought people in to you know, do things on like sleep talks, healthy eating, all of that sort of stuff. We've got yeah. a wellbeing policy in place to really just support people in the workplace because you know you spend a lot of your life at work so it's important that you're happy and healthy in the workplace. And how does that actually benefit the employer? We've got quite a high length of service within our employment. Mm. We, I'd like to say we do look after our employees very very well. We do as much as we can to keep them. We're always happy to support work placements um, and you know that can be either someone comes in for one week or we can do an extended work placement like we did with Rosa because you came in over a three week period wasn't it yeah it was um, supposed to be initially three weeks yeah. and then it got extended to five. Oh, wow yeah, yeah. so we, you know we always look at things like that and see what we can do to support and Rosa would you recommend to other people then based on your experiences with GET I mean presumably it's a positive relationship because you've been um, involved with GET then for a few years would you recommend get to other people and Guernsey Post as an employer. Uh, yeah, definitely get because they've got to like really know me well mm-hmm. and sort of also know what my disability issues are so they know them in depth 
so it's not just a surface level. Um, so they can go, oh, well, she can't do this job because of X, Y, and Z, but let's try something similar. Yeah. So it's sort of what I can do, and it's sort of limited. And yeah, going to posts were amazing. <laughs> Literally anything, they're like, let's try this. Because um, we went about halfway through to the Guernsey Blind Association. So it was great to go, this is what I can't do. Let's see if uh, the Blind Association has some equipment. And ironically, the most simplest thing was a felt tip pen that made the most difference. You never thought, and some little sticky bods on the mouse and the house. But yeah, they were amazing. Let me try anything. Presumably, so, yeah. from Get's point of view, Kate then as a support worker, things that you must learn from working with clients and employers, as in Rosa and Guernsey Post's case, you must then be able to use that information in supporting other people. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we are very much person-centred, focused on our clients, mm. and they teach us so much, and it's a real privilege in that respect. And also it does help. Rosa was at Guernsey Post showing other colleagues in the department how to use the technology, how to change yeah. things on the screen. So actually, we're talking about people who are highly skilled, who are able yeah. to, to teach lots of those skills to other people as well. Um, and within our team at, at GET, we share... We have sort of weekly meetings where we do share our experiences too, mm. so we're continually learning and continually learning from each other and from different situations. So that mm. continues to build the knowledge within the team too. Yeah, Rosa, how did that make you feel then when you were able to offer some training to your colleagues at Guernsey Post? I felt very rewarding because I'm like, well, I'm just kind of used to it, even just making the screens. It's just it's in my nature to do it to sort of see it. And she went, oh, and like there's a shortcut to do it. And she's like. And then she like hadn't done a while because I was sort of training with like most of the team, so they sort of got each individual's training uh, skills and sort of took them. So by the time like I've gone to her again, she's like, "How do you do it?" Like, here you go, move out the way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was really good. It felt good. So it was like I they were teaching me and I was teaching them. So it was not just one-sided. So it was really good. Yeah, it does sound like a partnership Definitely, within yeah. the relationship, and presumably. Nikki, Kate, that's what GET wants it to be. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of our biggest shifts when we moved away from the old ways of working mm-hmm. when we were states of Guernsey, because that used to sit within health and social care, very much our focus in how we delivered services was all focused on the clients. Because we, you know, we came from that background, but what we often ignored was the needs of employers and what mm-hmm. they needed. And it's been quite a journey but over the last few years I think we've really shifted our focus on we've really got to understand the needs of both to get it right because otherwise what will happen is that we will perhaps try and support a client but into a role that doesn't it doesn't work for the employer and then that knocks everybody's confidence mm-hmm. along the way and it, it doesn't work out so it's got to be a partnership between both to make it successful. So there have been um, experiences where the partnership hasn't worked, the placement hasn't been right, and presumably that's where the support worker, being so closely involved, is able to step in. And... Sometimes sometimes that's a good thing as well. Mm. When we arrange work, work experience, for example, it is, is a test. So for, for some people who've not been in work for a long, long time, 
um, or perhaps never worked. They, they don't know what is right for them. So mm. work experience is a good opportunity for people to try things. Mm. And sometimes you try it and it's just not right. But yeah. that's good too because then you work out which bits weren't right. Was it the type of work you were doing or was it the environment you were in? Or was it perhaps because there weren't adjustments or was it how busy the workplace mm. was? So we can really then drill down and that it really helps us to understand to then perhaps arrange another work experience and, and, and filtering out bits that didn't work. So we all, in life, everybody makes mistakes, don't you? Yeah. We all make mistakes and we all learn from our mistakes and then move on and make, make changes. So it's not always a bad thing, um, but the whole point we spend so much time getting to know people is because as much as possible we do want to get it right and yeah. that's why um, I think that reflects our retention rates being so high yeah so Guernsey Employment Trust I've got here with me then the the disability charter and the good practice guide for employers yes. and I'm guessing you've got much more material as well that you can share with clients and employers yes. um, but obviously a lot of work has gone into these so the, there's for example the disability charter this is something that I believe you're very proud of and you're wanting more businesses to sign up to so what is it all about what's it for yeah absolutely we want more businesses to sign <laughs> up to it um so we we developed this um in 2017 and that was when the talks of legislation uh, the discrimination mm. legislation seemed like years away um and what we wanted to do is create something tangible for employers who were committed to providing equity of opportunity but wanted to know perhaps ways of going around it. So we wanted to give them something practical that they could yeah. be working towards. So we created the Employer's Disability Charter, which has nine commitments. But at the point of signing up, you're not saying that you are a, a platinum standard employer with regards to equity. It's more of an acknowledgement that you're starting out on a journey and here are nine steps that you could be taking and you're acknowledging that you're working towards them. Um, so we currently have... a 70 plus businesses signed up um, and that ranges from very local businesses to the national and the international businesses um, and we've got charities we've got private sector and we've got the states of Guernsey um, mm -hmm. and I think Guernsey is facing a recruitment crisis so it makes good business sense for employers to really review and diversify how they attract new talent and we are one solution to that and um, more and more, you know, every day we receive emails mm -hmm. from organisations like Guernsey Post um, with them sharing their vacancies because they want our help to fill their vacancies. So it's, it's wonderful that we've got that wealth of knowledge to then share amongst, amongst our client group. Um, but the, and also many businesses as well, um, by signing up, it can act as a bit of a badge of honour. You know, we, yeah. we physically give organisations a certificate, um, a trophy and our logo that they can include in their adverts or their signatures if they want mm -hmm. or on their websites. Um, but also many businesses, that there is this push to, to work towards, you know, CSR objectives or ESG um, initiatives. And it's, it's a way of them being able to do that but also helping them to work towards the legislation and meeting the requirements of that because it's getting employers into good practice, it's breaking down stereotypes, it's providing opportunities for disabled people yeah. and getting them used to providing 
reasonable adjustments just as they would do in everyday life, making the workplace accessible for everyone. From Guernsey Post's point of view, um, how useful was the charter? Is it quite daunting when you first look at it and think, do we meet the nine the nine criteria or was it helpful as kind of like a working process it's definitely helpful as a working process i wouldn't say it's daunting okay. um, you know it's a good challenge um to make sure that we are meeting all of those nine steps um we definitely i think we we do that quite well we as part of that we um you know we do that practically we we support by giving out leaflet drops and getting that sorted mm-hmm. um and then again obviously the work experience is a big part of what we do yeah um like Nikki was saying, we make sure that any vacancies that we get, we send to get so that, you know, they can have a review of them, see if they've got anyone suitable. And I'd say nine times out of ten, you do send through applications yeah. for those roles so that we can, we can meet those people and interview them and stuff like that as well. So it is it is really helpful guide. And even just for things like, you know, making sure that we're being inclusive within our interview questions and stuff like that as well. Um so yeah, it's a very helpful guide to go. Yeah, on. interviews can be daunting, can't they? I mean, lots of people find job interviews, even interviews like we're doing now, can be daunting. And one of the charter criteria that I thought was interesting was that staff may be available to conduct mock or practice interviews for job seekers with a disability. That must just be so helpful for people with general nerves, people with anxiety, people who have never been to a job interview before. I mean, you're absolutely right. Everybody hates interviews and it's daunting for everyone. But generally speaking, the clients that we work with um, come to us because of anxiety or difficulties with communication. Mm. So for them, it's that extra barrier to employment and especially for people who perhaps had a gap on their CV yeah and it, it's it's knowing how to talk about that gap in the right way so we we conduct mock interviews all the time in-house with our clients and we try and make it as realistic as possible but the truth is they've got used to us now and um, we, we don't necessarily use the industry specific language for the areas that they're looking to go into so one of the commitments of the Charter is to get employers on board with providing those mock interviews. Um, and it's so valuable for yeah. the clients to get that experience. Um, and also for them to perhaps ask some good questions of the employer to determine if that's the right work for them. But the feedback that we have from employers who take part in this is that they get a lot out of it as well. Um, because if they've perhaps never met somebody with a certain type of disability, mm-hmm. they, they, they learn. Um, from having met that person Um, but also they perhaps are able to reflect on the way they're asking the questions perhaps aren't the most accessible Um, and you know the point of an interview is to try and determine is this person the right fit for the job but if the person hasn't quite understood what the question you're asking they can't put themselves in in the right way so um, yeah a lot of employers that we've worked with have said they've benefited from that experience too I did some mock interviews and found them really helpful because it was it was set up so when I did the interview I kind of had a sense of knowing this is what the way it's going to go and it wasn't as daunting so that's what I found that very really useful so yeah. Was it your first experience of a job interview or had you been to them before? I'd been to them before but it had been a while because okay. I was at university so I hadn't done a proper interview before that in a while. Mm-hmm. So I found it very useful because I can go, well, these are the sort of questions I'm going to ask you. 
I can formulate the answers, so I kind of know what I'm doing. So I wasn't as nervous when I went to the actual interview. And then when they did the mock interview, mm-hmm. they did the interview, and it was two of them at Get and me. And then they gave me feedback with my support worker, which was Tanya. And it was really useful to go, well, you're good at these bits, but here's what we can make improve. So that I could work on it and go, well, these are better and I can not as nervous and sort of know what I was doing. So yeah, definitely, it was very useful. In terms of signing up to the charter then, and to find out more about the nine commitments, and as you said, they don't need to be demonstrating all of them immediately, it's to work towards them all and that commitment is there to work through them. How do people find out more? Yeah, so to sign up, it's really simple. We've tried to make it as easy as possible. So if you go onto our website, which is get.org.gg, and click on employers, you will see a tab for the charter, which provides information about the charter. But basically, you can fill out a form, so you put your Mm. contact details, and then we assume that you're happy to sign up to each of the commitments, and you effectively tick them all off yeah. and submit your form and then we'll be in contact. The only, um, there are eight commitments that everybody is signing up to and then there is a ninth commitment which is bespoke for your business. So that's where it just, Guernsey Post's commitment to us was fantastic because their commitment to us was about providing a postal drop to help raise awareness of our services. Um, but we've seen other businesses um, provide commitments such as discounted haircuts for individuals going to interview to better their chances of getting into the workplace Um, or offering sort of bespoke uh, disability awareness training as part of diversity and inclusion week you know so it can be it can be um, as bespoke as possible um, to increase sort of the wealth of opportunities out there for people. One thing that the island is finally doing this year October 2023 we understand the anti-discrimination legislation is coming in. Rosa, we were talking before we came in to to do the interview, you were saying that actually you've already seen examples of how businesses are changing. Is that right? To bring in uh, these changes ahead of the law coming in? Yeah, I went away um, to the UK for uh, medical reasons and on my my most recent trip um, before with assistance all you could check was a wheelchair, so mm-hmm. I didn't need a wheelchair, Yeah, but I just needed to go before everyone else, so like pre-boarding, and that was the only option to pre-board. But then on my most recent trip, I told them I was partially sighted, and they put me as a blind passenger instead, so then, they didn't, when, I, then when I got to the check-in, they said, do you need X, Y, and Z, do you need to go cap through security? So they sort of made adjustments. So, like at Gatwick, they have a little hub that you can go, and then I'll mm-hmm. take you to security. And then we had a meeting with my support worker on Monday, and you said you were on training with them with Orini, weren't you? Yes, I think locally um, employers are starting to, yeah. you know, provide this, and it's great to see that you know clients such as Rose is noticing yeah. the difference. And definitely at the airport, it's the gateway in and out, isn't it? So it's great for Guernsey's reputation, I'm guessing. I mean, Orini is, you know, called Guernsey's Airline. It's at Guernsey's Airport. And I guess for other people to experience positive um, interactions as you have, Rosa, it's good for the island's reputation as a whole. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the legislation then, um, it's coming in. Again, we've, we've mentioned things like reasonable adjustments. Um, it's not really big changes for most people, is it, Nikki, that, or, or Neve, that, that people are being asked to bring in? Those reasonable adjustments, again, can be very small, but they'll make the world of difference to individuals and the employers, the businesses, and then hopefully communi the community. I mean, I think the key term there is reasonable. Yeah. It has to be a reasonable adjustment, and as part of that, um, the business would look, you know, would perhaps um, consider it, its size, its money, it would have to look at the impact on other people. But I think a common misconception about reasonable adjustments is that it's always those big ticket expensive items, but it could be, um, yes, adjusting somebody's hours because they rely on public transport, but for them they struggle to, to travel at those peak times mm. for whatever reason, and instead of starting at nine, an adjustment for them could be they start at ten. Um, it could be somebody with autism who has a sensitivity to noise, who struggles to sit next to the noisy photocopier, but if they were shifted three three chairs down, it would be fine and they'd be able to access work without being yeah. in pain. So I think it has to be reasonable for the business um, and, and I think that's the key thing in this legislation. At the very beginning we were talking about the impact on the economy because there is an economic value, isn't there, to encouraging more people into the workplace. Can get help any more people? Yeah. We do have a waiting list. Um, I think with any service, if mm. you didn't have a waiting list, it, it would in, it would imply that you therefore don't, you know, there isn't a need. So I think there always has to be a slight one. Um, we did get our list down to a really good point, just pre-COVID level. And obviously with COVID, it was really hard to get people into employment um, because the jobs weren't out there. There were frontline worker roles, but that wasn't necessarily suitable for everyone. Um, also, there were a lot of people who we didn't have much to do with anymore in that they didn't need much support from us, but due to the increased pressures on their role or their supportive line manager moving on, um, or all these new COVID measures put in mm. place, they needed a lot more support, so we really had to adjust. We became a bit of a helpline for people as well during that time, so our office might not have been open, but for some people we were their only contact. And we were there touching base with them every day, checking that they were well, checking yeah. they had everything they needed, they were safe. So we just had to shift our business model for a bit. Um, but the impact of that meant that our waiting list did go up. But also, actually, we received huge numbers of referrals in to our service for people who um, are disabled but were not part of our service previously maybe they've been in work for many many years and then lost their role during mm. COVID times um or covid made them it made people reassess things a lot and yeah. i think some people um reached out to services during that time and perhaps received a diagnosis so we did see a spike in the numbers of people coming in but the impact of that has then meant we have got a waiting list. So at the moment, it's approximately four or five months. Um, if we had more employment support officers, then we'd be able to work with more clients. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. But in terms of employers then, is there a waiting list for employers to access oh, no. services or support? 
can they they can no, get in no. touch? No, no, if an employer needs our support, they can pick up the phone any time. I mean, one thing that we produced recently, we've recently launched it, in fact, that was the focus of our Guernsey Postal Drop. Um, we've developed a, effectively an off-the-shelf training package yep. for employers. Um, so we've got two different offerings, actually. We've got a, a one-hour one, which fits perfectly for a lunch and learn, or, or it can slot into a team meeting. And this yeah. is just about raising awareness about disability inclusion. Or we have a more in-depth interactive session that goes over two and a half hours, and that's aimed at managers, HR professionals, and anyone else involved in recruitment decisions um, to help create deeper insight. Um, so a bit of a plug, anyone who's thinking about that <clears throat> at the moment, uh, we've got a special offer actually. So um, it does come at a bit of a charge, but there's a 20% discount for anyone that gets it booked in um, before the 1st of October when the discrimination legislation comes out. And we've got a form on our website that people can just fill it in and then we'll be in contact to get it booked in. Thank you for listening to The Interview, a Bailiwick Express podcast. If you liked what you heard, please like and subscribe. You can find us on all social media channels, and if you'd like to keep up to date on all the work the Express team does, please sign up to our daily email by visiting gsy.bailiwickexpress.com.